0: Well, how exciting, Uh, baptisms. Can we congratulate the ladies once again? Is that okay? And uh, welcome to Door of Hope Christian Church. My name is Steve. I'm a part of the ministry team here on staff. And uh, we welcome you online for those who are participating. For whatever reason, you find yourself online looking in to Door of Hope, but we thank you for inviting us in, and uh, we certainly invite you here at any stage. Well, this is part one of our series, a five-week uh, series entitled Supernatural, and of course on the spectrum of the spiritual, what we have is those who are pretty excited about this series, and those who are kind of folding their arms a little bit going, what on earth is this going to be about? All right, but uh, we're going to explore and f- explore over these next five weeks from a biblical perspective, some of the elements of the Christian faith that might sound a little weird, but once understood, I hope and pray that we'd have a greater appreciation of each and every uh, subject topic that we look into. And because instead of avoiding these topics altogether, um, we're going to explain what they are, we're going to talk about their relevance and um, the part that they play in the church today. Subjects like um, authority in Christ, that's tonight with Sandy. We're going to talk about end times. We're going to talk about tongues next week. I'm going to speak about that next Sunday. We're going to talk about beings, fasting, miracles, spiritual gifts, and brings us to today's subject of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have to admit, that this is a huge undertaking. These, all of these topics, um, it's a huge task. Um, it's as if I'm trying to explain to you. Forget that you've seen the ocean, right? I remember seeing the ocean, maybe not for the very first time, but driving onto the other side of Devonport and going up that hill, and all of you with me, yeah, and seeing the, the vastness of the ocean. I remember being in the back seat of the car with my parents, can't remember it was the first time or how young I was, but I just remember it every time I see the vastness of the ocean. Here's how I'm feeling with today's topic, a little bit like this jug of water, that I'm bringing this back to you because I've seen it, you haven't of course, you haven't seen the ocean, right, let's pretend, but I'm bringing it back in a jug to show you that this is all I've got to show you in regards to today's topic and I think maybe the next five weeks. So we've learned from this, we probably could have done a 5, 10, 15, 20 week series just on the Holy Spirit. So please forgive me as we will certainly go to um, maybe some different places with this subject today and in future weeks, but uh, we'll certainly look at this in depth in years, days to come. So I want you to know that I approach today's topic um, as, uh, with all the humility that I can, but also as a, as a life learner, as we lean in together. I guess as a way of introducing this uh, topic of the Holy Spirit, is that the Bible is filled with teachings, instructions, and examples uh, in both the Old and and the New Testament of the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, the the Old Testament mentions the Holy Spirit 90 times. The New Testament mentions the Holy Spirit 260 times. And so we've got from beginning to end, and all that is in the middle, Scripture is full of of the Holy Spirit. We could start from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Why not? Let's do that. Genesis 1 verse 2, the Spirit of God was hovering, have we got that there? Did we put that up? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That is Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Let's go to the end. Revelation chapter 22 verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And so, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And how is it that we respond? By the way, theologians call this pneumatology the study of the Holy Spirit. Pneumatology. Eschatology? End times the last days. Um, soteriology, the study of salvation. Christology, the study of Christ, the person, nature, and work. Theology, the study of God. Very good, you're getting... Uh, this, uh, angelology, angelology, study of angels, you get the idea. Ecclesiology... study of the church, the origins of Christianity. Anyway, come back. Pneumatology. Pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. So, where do we start? Where do we start? Genesis, Revelation, everything in between. I think the best place to start on talking about the Holy Spirit is with the second person of the Trinity, with Jesus. Let's start with listening to the words of Jesus, because it's as if Jesus is introducing to us the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to invite Amanda to come and read to us. Um, And this is the same speech from John chapter 14... John chapter 15 and John chapter 16 in the upper room this is the last night to set the scene here this is the last night Jesus has with his disciples before he suffers before he dies and before he is resurrected this is the last meal uh, often known as the last supper the last set of instructions from the divine coach that he can give to his Disciples. Well, with all that's said and done. Amanda, please come and read John chapter 14, 15 and 16, parts off
1: If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not, had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. and declare it to you all things that the father has are mine therefore i said that he will take of mine and declare it to you
0: may god add his blessing to the reading there this morning fair enough jesus let's look at the emotional state of the disciples on the receiving end of what Jesus is saying to them. Let's address what's going on inside of the disciples. Summary, Jesus is telling the disciples what? That is leaving them. After three years or so with the disciples who have been traveling with Jesus... The disciples have seen these incredible healings and been a part of uh, incredible teachings and experienced great teaching. They've received that personal input and by the way, an occasional rebuke from him. And so they've been a part of this great environment. And now Jesus is leaving and they need ongoing help for what? to fulfill the mission. And so instead of being with them, instead of being, you got the camera shot? Here we go. Instead of being with them, people at home, instead of being with them, instead of being with them, this person is going to live inside of them. You get the idea empowering them to what to live a good life no to empower them on mission you see jesus had been with them physically and now he's going to send them someone just like himself the holy spirit and by the way i don't know if you picked up on that reading there Um, There are several times Jesus uh, um, makes several promises of someone who is coming to help them. Let's read again, John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, this is Jesus, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Hold it there. If you are a disciple hearing that, there is a real disconnect. Think about it. It is not to my advantage, Jesus, that you go away. And here's why you're the guy who calms the storm, you're the guy who heals our relatives, you're the guy who feeds the thousands. And you're also the guy who turns this stuff into wine. Jesus, you're a pretty handy kind of guy to have around. And so when you say better, if I go, an advantage, if I go, I don't know about that. Okay, the disciples, Jesus, so focused. The disciples are so focused on what they're about to lose. They, in fact, forget about what they're about to gain. And I believe that's a word for somebody here this morning. For you are so focused as you face your future of what you're about to lose, and it's that step of faith for what you're about to gain. The Holy Spirit's presence, by the way, that's what they're about to gain. Now, can they figure that out? Can they understand that in their own thinking, in their own little minds? Because Jesus, by the way, had fulfilled the will of the Father. Where's the Father? In heaven. Where does Jesus go? The right hand right hand side of the Father. And so now it's the disciples' turn. But the disciples' turn, the disciples still need help. The help of the Holy Spirit. Why do they need a helper once again in one word? Mission. It's the mission. It's called the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. You might be familiar familiar with it and to therefore go into all the world to make disciples. Now, that's a pretty big mission to go about this alone. And by the way, the mission is still the same today. And so the enormity of this mission is what keeps us going. By the way, it's called the Great Commission, isn't it? It's called the it's not the mediocre. <laughs> commission it's not the the small commission it's called the great commission there's nothing bigger than this so based on that reading this morning let's move forward with three statements one sentence three statements one sentence once again help me all Right? <laughs> this is huge the holy spirit is a divine person who helps us that's it today. That's the lesson for today. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. I need someone. You get the idea. Who wrote that song, by the way? not John Farnham, <laughs> he sang it a little bit slower than the Beatles, written by John Lennon by the way, with the support of Paul McCartney from the, from the Beatles. I've always needed help. When I was a baby I needed help. When I went to try to walk I needed help. When I, when I went for swimming lessons I needed help. You getting the idea? When I went to uh, um, steer my bike for the first time, I needed help. When I went to drive my car for the first time, I when I went to school, I needed help. When I started playing sport, I needed help. I don't know about you, I've always needed help. In fact, I think you and I are very similar in that way, right? That you and I need help. In fact, we need all the help we can get to live out this mission, to live out the Christian life that we can. And what a great witness over here in the baptistry this morning. So once again, the Holy Spirit is what? The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. Let's take this part just for a few moments. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person Hmm. Now, some people have wrongly thought that the Holy Spirit is more of an "it" rather than an "him." Now, that's probably due, in part, to to the descriptions that we have in Scripture of things like what, like um, wind, um, fire, um, uh, in the form of a dove, but the Holy Spirit is a person, and a person has personalities, has a personality, and also emotions. I'm going to speak a little bit slower, hang in there with me, because as humans, as humans, we are body and spirit, where God is a spirit without body, That's why we are called to worship in what? Worship in spirit and in truth. And so here, God takes up the body of Jesus. Am I going too am not going too fast? God takes up the body of Jesus to reveal to us what he was like temporarily. And so, for created beings, in the beginning, God created, for created beings in whom you and I are, to know God. God needed to become flesh and dwell among us temporarily in the flesh of Jesus, but his spirit lives on in the flesh of us today. Now, one of the things we immediately noticed, I don't know if you did, in, in the reading there this morning from Scripture, in the words of Jesus, is he doesn't say when the Holy Spirit comes, it will. when the Holy Spirit comes, He will. Jesus used the word words, Him, not it, not that. Here's why. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. This is not Star Wars. May the force be with you. This is not Star Wars. You see, you cannot have a personal relationship with force You cannot have a personal relationship with electricity. You cannot have a personal relationship with energy. You cannot wait for it. You cannot even have a personal relationship with Siri. As much as my wife tries to ask. I saw, I heard that last night, how many ounces and anyway. Here's why. The Holy Spirit is a person And we are to seek the person, not the power, the person of the Holy Spirit. And he is power. So important, by the way, as we look back in church history, there were certain arguments. uh, It goes as far back as 318, but I'm going to go 325 AD, where they settled on this. 325 AD, where they got this council together and they came up with the Creed of Nicaea. Some of you may know it as the Nicaean Creed or the Apostles' Creed. And we're going to sing that song just in a moment to explain that a little bit more. But what they did in 325 AD, they come up with this clearly defined statement of faith, as to the personality of the Holy Spirit. Let's dig deep just for a moment if we could. Let's go a little bit deeper because Jesus mentions this about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit will testify of me. The Holy Spirit will convict. This is Jesus speaking. The Holy Spirit will guide, will speak, will tell. Now, all of these are activities of a person with a personality. You see, for a being to be considered a person, you have to have a number of attributes. I'm going to focus on three. First of all, you have to have intelligence, you have to have will, and you have to have emotion. Intelligence, will, the ability to make decisions on your own, and emotion. All of these three are required if a personality is to exist. For example, trees, plants, rocks, cars, and even Siri cannot be considered persons. The Holy Spirit, for example, the Holy Spirit in the Bible is said to have a mind, the Holy Spirit is said to have a will, and He is said to loved, but also the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Check this out. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. The Holy Spirit can also be, let's go to the next one, can be insulted. The Holy Spirit can also be lied to in Acts chapter 5 of the couple, Ananias and Sapphira. Very good can be lied to. There's the story, Acts chapter 5. So, as a person with personality, no relationship with God is possible without the Holy Spirit. Some of my readings leading up to this topic this morning, I read um, nearly about 100 years ago, and there's this great quote by R.A. Torrey. He says this, he says, the Holy Spirit is not a blind, impersonal influence or power that comes into our lives to illuminate, sanctify and empower them? No. He is immeasurably more than that. He is a holy person who comes to dwell in our hearts. So, the question should never be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit in my life? The question should be, how can the Holy Spirit get a hold of more of my life? Guess what? That's part of the first statement, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Are we following? I see question marks, and I hear crickets. (laughs) Let's move on. Let's see if this makes it a little bit easier to understand. The Holy Spirit is not just a person. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. This is crucial. Before we move past this, we've got to understand. That the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is the, that He's not a lesser being. He's not an angel. Um, he's not a this is, He's uh, not a substitute name for God. The Holy Spirit is a divine person, a part of the Triune God, known as the Trinity. We're going to sing about that just in a moment. Because let me explain to you here. at here at Door of Hope Christian Church, the Christian faith, we believe in one God, revealed in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, equal as persons, but each unique in their role. And so it's important we come to know each of the Trinity so that the fullness of God can not just touch our own lives, but touch the world in which we live. God the Father, the Creator, God the Son, Jesus the Son and our Savior and the Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter, our guide. The Holy Spirit is also seen as omnipresent. Do you know what that means? Omnipresent. It means everywhere, all places at the same time. So he's in Australia and also Austria. He's in Campbelltown. He's also in Chile. He's in glen jew and he's also in greenland you get the idea you get the idea psalm 139 a biblical reference here psalm 139 david let's go to the next slide please where can i no no slide sorry I, I, that was my bad that was my fault not them not my, me david says where can i go from your spirit thanks for picking that up where can i go from your spirit you know that passage psalm 139 where can i go from your spirit where can i flee from your presence now of course that's a rhetorical question and of course I can't. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. The answer is nowhere, because He's omnipresent. So the Holy Spirit is seen as omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is also seen as omnipotent. What does that mean? All-powerful. That's right. And of course, there are many stories throughout Scripture of our God being omnipotent. So question is, Does all this really matter, Steve? Does all this really matter that I see the Holy Spirit as a person and as God? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Because here's why. If you do not understand who He is, you'll never appreciate what He does. And here's what happens. We'll start losing interest in prayer, in the Word, And in worship, and all we want is to start to be entertained. So the Holy Spirit is a divine person, very much a part of the Trinity, the triune nature of God. By the way, can I just say this about the Trinity? Let's be let's be honest here. Uh, I believe in the Trinity absolutely, but to understand, it does your head in a bit, doesn't it? Or is that just me? Right. Good. Thank you. Same page. But by the way, the term Trinity is not found in the Bible, but also the second coming of Jesus is not in the Bible. It says that Jesus is coming again, absolutely, but the concept, the concept what I'm talking about, of the triune God is found in the Bible, And that expresses what the Bible teaches us. In fact, 2,000 years of history and experience affirms this. Third and final thing is this, that the Holy Spirit is a divine person who what? Who helps us. John 14, 16, let's revisit, revisit that again. And I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. The word helper is the Greek word Paracletos now this word is so rich and so complex that no one English word can capture the description of the Holy Spirit now translated actually means comforter counselor encourager and what we're focusing on today and that is helper Literally, it means this. It's one who is called alongside to help. One who is called alongside in order to help. And God knows we need all the help we can. Thank you. I'm seeing some nodding of heads. And I will pray the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you for ten years, two decades until I've had enough of you. <laughs> not that at all. What does it say? The word forever. Forever. You know what that means? He is not going anywhere. He is with you forever. What that means, he's a permanent helper. He is in it for the long haul. When you wake up tomorrow you have a helper. Call on him. Rely on him. By the way, when Jesus says, I'm going to give you another helper, you know what he means by that? He means exactly, a helper of exactly the same kind. Exactly the same kind. The Holy Spirit is to you and I, this is what he's saying, the Holy Spirit is to you and I as good a helper as Jesus was to the disciples. How's that for help? How's that for hell? He empowers us to live the life that cannot be lived apart from his power. Let's finish up by reading this. Uh, Verse 17 to 18, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Let's focus on that. He dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells. You got the camera? Just for the people at home. <laughs> he dwells with you. He. D- what? What have I done?
1: <laughs>
0: oh. Wait, well, where's the headshot? There we go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. He dwells with you. He's moving you towards Jesus. If you are an unbeliever here today, you do not believe in the God of the Christian faith, I want you to know he is with you he is with you. He's moving you to... This is a truth, by the way, all right? He's moving you towards the cross. He's moving you towards Jesus. And it's when... So that's saved. He wants to see us saved. Not just saved, but he wants to see us sanctified. Tony brought that message to us a little while back. What does sanctified mean? To be purified, that the Holy Spirit comes and does his work in with and in. Are we following? He wants to do his work with you, with us. Not only that, he wants to come in and purify that which is not of him and make us holy and keep us looking to Jesus. But that's not all. That's not all. Holy Spirit wants to come upon you, not just for self, not just for you, but for the fragile and uncertain world in which you and I live, to be overflowing with the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. Forget it, it will dry out. That's not all. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. I don't know about you. I leak. I leak. And scripture tells us that each as I prayed this morning, God, fill me. God, fill me. God, fill me. God, fill me as I come before the people with a word that you've laid upon my heart. God, fill me. God, fill me. Do more than that. Fill me to overflowing. This is the truth, by the way. Let me finish off by saying this. How have we gone? Whoa. Okay. Let me finish. I found this quote. I want to read this. Without the Holy, Spirit, this is by Ignatius, Fourth Patriarch of Antioch, 1968. This sums it up beautifully. Unfortunately, it's not on the screen. Without the Holy Spirit, God is distant. Christ is merely a historical figure. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is merely an organization. Authority is domination. Mission is propaganda. Worship is an evocation. And Christian action is slave labor. But love the word but. But with the Holy Spirit, the risen Christ is here the gospel come on church the gospel is a life-giving force the church means communion come on the church means communion with the trinity authority is a liberating service mission is like pentecost the liturgy the, the liturgy is both a commemoration and an anticipation and human action becomes more godlike help i need somebody help not just anybody help i need somebody In Jesus' name we pray. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm conscious that there are people here this morning who need help both here and online. And all we need to do to invite the helper in is to simply ask. Many of us have been through life and we haven't asked for help. And now we're inviting help for the first time into our lives. And so if that's you here this morning and you know in your heart of hearts you need help the way I and many people around you need that, would you pray this simple little prayer with me? Just in your heart of hearts, pray this. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need your help. I admit that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again. God, I turn from my past. I turn to Jesus as my Savior. I want to follow him as my Lord. Help me. Help me. Help me to live for you. And right now, fill me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the divine person and the divine work of the Holy Spirit, our helper. An incredible mystery. In walking with us. That you alone, unlimited and eternal. Us, limited. But we need Jesus for our eternity. Thank you, Father, for the mission that you have us on. And it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Be glorified, for the Holy Spirit is a divine helper helps us.